for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, hour two. That was a great chat with Agustin from Argentina giving us an update uh, down there. And we'll have coming up Chad Stewart of Britsfield.com to talk a little bit about literature, art, um, education. I think it's also applies to homeschooling. And um, I'll, I'll be purchasing some of his books. I think it seems like he's doing good work. I was just introduced to his work uh and so what's what's happening on the planet let's take a look bad economic news um layoff announcements in 2024 so far this is coming from Genevieve Roche Dector uh a prominent um Twitter financial account almost half a million followers 427,000 but she says Twitch cuts 35 percent of workforce Unity Software 25 percent cut Brex 20 percent Discord, 17%. Wayfair, 13%. Riot Games, 11%. Duolingo, 10%. Rent the Runway, 10%. eBay, 9%. BlackRock cuts 3%. Citigroup cuts 20,000. Google cuts 1,000. Amazon cuts several hundred rolls. Uh, in 2023, layoffs jumped 98% from 2022. And she asked the question, what will 2024 look like? Uh, it looks like it's on its way to beat... 2023 in terms of how many people are going to get laid off we are in the economic collapse and here's just a bunch of crazy economic news that picked up yesterday wall street journal uh says from fuel and groceries to hotels and airline tickets u.s consumers are putting more purchases on credit cards and taking longer to pay them off and the four biggest u.s banks reported higher credit card spending in 2023 compared with the previous year in fact since 2020 credit card spending has steadily increased at three of the four um, unpaid balances also surpassed 2019 levels for the first time showing that consumers are putting more purchases on cards and taking longer to pay off their bills than they were before the pandemic that's your neo-feudalism um also there's a report here from the peterson foundation the top one percent of households made almost five times as much income as the bottom 20 percent of households hashtag neo-feudalism i got that from nomi prince twitter she was a guest of mine a couple years back on tnt i got to hang out with her in mexico many many years ago um Sven Henrich again Northman Trader says the top 0.1% 132,000 households have a combined net worth of 20 trillion the bottom 50% that's uh, 66 million households have a combined net worth of 3.6 trillion the wealth gap keeps widening to ever more extremes with each intervention cycle um Neo-feudal, hashtag neo-feudalism. My, my recent guest on TNT, Global Sovereignty Solutions, he says bank runs are coming for 2024. The U.S. just ended their federal program to protect banks, and this ECB just put out a similar message. Remember, the cash you have in the bank isn't really yours. You're technically an unsecured creditor. Become as unbanked as possible. Uh, and, you know, I, some people sometimes tell me, you, you worry too much about the algorithm ghetto, right? Well... Again, go back to the 1980s film Brazil, uh, which which it's a Kafkaesque dystopia where a man who was doing nothing wrong just gets caught up in the algorithm ghetto. Texas man 
allegedly raped in jail after the AI wrongly identifies him as robbery suspect, despite having alibi. So this guy was just going about his day. He was arrested uh, because the AI incorrectly said he was guilty of a crime, which he wasn't. And then while he was uh, being held in the, in the prison, I guess he was raped by other men. So when you say I got nothing to hide when it comes to privacy, um, you know, that's the algorithm ghetto for you. So it's it's the scientific dictatorship, the, te the technocracy. What uh, Joe Allen, you know, he says our future is like idiot. Um, what is it? Uh, it's a dystopian idiocracy, pretty much. Some more news. NATO, a walking war machine, says China. The U.S.-led military bloc is sowing chaos everywhere. Uh, Beijing's defense ministry has, has warned. I would totally agree with that. Doesn't mean I'm pro. I'm not anti-China. I'm not pro-China. I'm pro everyone um, being able to thrive, right? But he says it should be said that NATO is a walking war machine and wherever it appears, it brings disorder everywhere. Um, so yeah, you've got that. He says, this is not about NATO moving into Asia, but instead about the fact that China is coming close to us. That was Stoltenberg's um, remark. But yeah, the North Atlantic terrorist organization, that's what I call it. Um, Moscow has said Switzerland, Switzerland is no longer neutral. The Swiss government has adopted an anti-Russian stance on European security. And I do have to share this quote from Yuri Roshka, the Moldovan um, former politician who uh, I've become very friendly with, uh, who's been on my podcast. He's talking about this Russian patriot who's now been jailed by the Russian government. And he ends this uh, article of his, he says uh, that he's talking, referring to Strelkov, I believe is it Strelkov or another dude. Um, yeah, Igor Strelkov being sentenced to four years in prison. Uh, Oroshka says, quote, in this tragic situation for Russia, it's disgusting to observe how so many so-called political analysts of the Kremlin-affiliated alternative media erect themselves in the position of propagandists and advocates of the regime, able to justify any villainy, crime, or abuse of power of the regime. Their real or apparent opposition to American hegemony, Atlanticism, the collective West, leads them to find comfortable psychological and ideological niche of deifying the false alternative represented by the Russian ruling class, BRICS, multipolarity, and other lamentable propaganda cliches that do so much uh, harm the real anti-globalist to the real anti-globalist resistance. So uh, the bitter pill to swallow um, and a lot more insane news that we will have to get to next time. A reminder, if you got a suggestion for a possible guest or host you want to hear on TNT or topics you want us to discuss, we would certainly love to hear from you. Fill out the suggestion form at tntradio.live where you can message any individual presenter. You can go to my contact form and send me a message. goes to my email. Uh, I'm, happy, I'm happy to read your, your love letters, your hate mail, hate mail your constructive uh, as well as unconstructive criticism. Help us make a difference on TNT. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. On World War Wednesday, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, announced a clear path forward for Boeing's grounded 737-9 MAX planes to resume operations. However, it's not all Good news for Boeing, who's been warned that it won't be going back to business as usual. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. 
Thanks, Rory. I call baloney. Who wrote that lead? Oh, that's right. I did. Um, actually, uh, the spokesperson for the FAA, um, not spokesperson, I'm sorry, the FAA administrator, one Mike Whitaker, he's the one who said, quote, let me be clear. This won't be go won't be back to business as usual for Boeing, uh, plus some other things, end quote. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But the thing is, is that true? Is that really true? In case you didn't know, uh, this is not the first time that Boeing's 737 MAX aircraft were grounded uh, back in, uh, they were, they were after an 18 month grounding, they were allowed to fly again back in November, 2020. That was after two 737 max airplane crashes killed a total of 346 people. Y'all remember that? Uh, also in case you didn't know the 737 max line, which was launched in 2011 was hailed as being more fuel efficient than its predecessors. But of course, unless you live under a rock, uh, you will understand it's been plagued by recurring safety issues for quite a significant portion of its use. So uh, this appears to be more business as usual for Boeing because uh, it looks like they're going to let them back in the air again, despite these reports of many loose bolts plus more issues that hopefully I'll bring up. Uh, in an FAA press release, it's revealed that the agency has completed its enhanced review ah, and approved plans to proceed with its inspection and maintenance process. Once completed, the grounded planes will be authorized to return to service. However, as part of the FAA's latest announcement, Boeing was informed it would not be approved to expand the production of its MAX aircraft. Well, that's a start. The company's 737-9 MAX was grounded due to an in-flight incident, an incident that occurred earlier this month on January 5th, an Alaska Airlines flight traveling from Portland, Oregon to Ontario, California, was forced to make an emergency landing after a failed door bolt caused one of the plane's panels to blow out mid-flight. Frightening stuff. Despite the flight being nearly full with only seven open seats, luckily none of its 171 passengers or six crew members were seated next to the panel. Although every single one of them have pretty much been traumatized. Uh, following the incident, Alaska Airlines performed an in-house inspection and reported finding, quote, loose bolts on many, end quote, of its Boeing planes. Hmm. I'm sure that's okay. United Airlines also found loose bolts on some of its aircraft. Don't worry about it. Alaska Airlines CEO Ben Minicucci told NBC News that the loose bolts would be, quote, rectified through the inspection process, end quote. All right. In a statement to the news outlet, Boeing said, quote, we have let down our airline customers and are deeply sorry for the significant disruption to them, their employees and their passengers. We are taking action on a comprehensive plan to bring these airplanes safely back to service and to improve our quality and delivery performance. We will follow the lead of the FAA and support our customers every step of the way, end quote. On Wednesday, FAA Administrator Mike Whitaker remarked, quote, we grounded the Boeing 737-9 MAX within hours of the incident over Portland and made clear this aircraft would not go back into service until it was safe. The exhaustive enhanced review our team completed after several weeks of information gathering gives me and the FAA confidence to proceed to the inspection and maintenance phase. However, 
Let me be clear. This won't be back to business as usual for Boeing. We will not agree to any requests from Boeing for an expansion in production or approve additional production lines for the 737 MAX until we are satisfied that the quality control issues uncovered during this process are resolved, end quote. Well, that's concerning to me, Hervori, because I was sent this uh, fascinating in-depth report uh, courtesy of The Lever. Uh, They're at levernews.com, and uh, they were reporting on a uh, federal safety reports that were compiled by a nonprofit, Foundation for Aviation Safety, Um, and they looked at some troubles uh, specifically uh, it looks like these 737 planes filed more than 1,800 service difficulty reports, more than once per day, and all of these warnings have been continuously ignored to this day. So I think the FAA might be in bed money-wise uh, with Boeing. What do you think, Herbori? I um, I I, I would um, agree with you, but look, uh, Ruckus. Uh, relax. It's not that bad. You know, um, go fly on scat airlines. So when I first went to Kazakhstan in 2017, uh, I, I went to Semey, Semipalatinsk, north, rural northern Kazakhstan. And we, we didn't know anything about anything. And our plane from um, Astana was to Semey was on scat airlines. And it was literally like out of Indiana Jones um, and the Temple of Doom, if you remember that plane that he flew on, like there was no runway, it was grass, the whole flight, everything was shaking, like you thought you were gonna die. And we landed and then I looked up Scat Airlines, people can look it up right now, it's one of the world's worst and most dangerous airlines. Every year I, I found, every single year Scat would crash and burn and kill a bunch of people uh, a scat air- airline flight out there in Kazakhstan um and I was just <laughs> I was wondering if it was my th- that's real Russian roulette right at least one plane would crash every year killing people um and so it just seems um ruckus uh you know I I do do have to say now that Sumay does have a proper runway and they do have proper planes like fly Aristan and Aristana um flying out there but um I, I do kind of sense two things here, Ruck, is that it, it, it is part of that neo-feudal project to get us um, not flying as much because we're seeing more incidents. Um, so I think they're just kind of letting things collapse. But also, this is a general system of uh, it's it's a general symptom of collapse, Ruckus, that that these these complex systems are falling apart. So I think it is part just natural organic collapse, um, but also the elites kind of like we don't really need to maintain this. We've got our private jets, uh, you know, let, let the surf some bleeps, you know, ride, ride bicycles. What do you think? I'm not necessarily a proponent of the chaos theory, but in a way I am because, you know, I'm a Bible believing Christian and all that fun stuff. So I believe that nothing is ever going to be like perfect. That comes from imperfect man, you know, only things that were created by God can stand the test of time. Um, and And it's fascinating to me that, you know, the years go by, the decades, the centuries and whatnot, and science just never seems to actually technically improve. It's just never quite going to get there. And I think I know why it's, uh, we're not allowed to do that as, as I think we've been grounded. Speaking of grounded. <clears throat> well, yeah. All right. Um, I, I have jumped out of an airplane once though. So I'm, I'm, you know, if I have to do it again, 
<laughs> no. Uh, all right. Ruckus, catch up with you in a bit. We'll be right back. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population. Populations. We start with a history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page, and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant, TNT. Joining us for the first time on the Hrvoje Moric show, but he's no stranger to TNT uh, radio, is Chad Robert Stewart, an international award-winning best-selling author, creativity educator, global strategist, prominent speaker, prolific writer. He founded the prestigious Britsfield Institute dedicated to creativity and literacy and Devonfield, a media empire committed to the highest quality in education, publishing and film production. The website Britfield.com. Welcome back to TNT, Chad. Thank you. Very, very glad to be here. And so, you know, I I I got you on, not realizing you've been on TNT before, but really it's my first introduction to you and and your work. Um, and it's very, you know, pertinent for me, but I also think for um, listeners, you know, I'm I'm a father. Um, my kids aren't quite yet at at the age uh, for reading your books, but very soon they will be. Uh, and okay. you know, we've been having discussions here on TNT about how this next generation it's it's very important. Like all this crazy stuff that's going on culturally, spiritually, morally, politically. Um, the focus is on the, the the youth so they're kind of kind of i think decide which way things are going to go if they accept a lot of the nonsense or if they become educated by consuming material like as like yours and and pushing back but uh, you know for myself and and uh some of my listeners could you sort of introduce us to uh britfield um and and your books yeah, I'll do a quick overview and then would love to dig deep in any of the subjects. And I and I think you're right. Everything for us, our focus right now is the next generation of, of children. Our beachhead has always been the schools, specifically elementary and middle school uh, nationally. And now we're moving out globally, which is kind of exciting. But I'm originally from Newport Beach, California, Southern California. I was back east, Wellesley, Massachusetts for 16 years, which felt like a lifetime. 
And I did my undergraduate in British literature, European history, which might explain a little bit about the books, and then got into um, uh, grad school and then post-grad and then MBA program, and then actually was in corporate America as an investment banker 12 years ago. And I was really dying to do something creative and uh, get back into the creative world. And it's when I had the idea for you know, the first book, Britfield and the Lost Crown. And at the time, I was just thinking, I want to write a fun book. I want to write a fun story. There's a great quote out there by Beverly Clearly. She's an author of uh, Runaway Ralph and um, the Mouse of the Motorcycle series that I grew up with when I was eight years old. And she said, if you ever walk into a library or a bookstore and you don't find the story you're looking for, write it. So I guess I took that seriously. And I sat down and uh, spent four years, 2,500 hours to produce Britfield and the Lost Crown book one in a seven uh, seven book series. And uh, what's great about this series is many things, and we can pull on any of these sort of threads, but number one, it takes place in, in Britain, up and starts up in Yorkshire, Northern England, but it starts in current time. And I think that's really important because we have so many books in this sort of fantasy world or post-apocalyptic world or futuristic world. And it's just like Britfield and Lost Crown takes place right now, uh, current time. And I don't use any of those devices such as witchcraft or demigods, superheroes, or heightened fantasy vampires. There are authentic, fast-paced, exciting adventure novels. And uh, book one's in England, uh, uh, 384 pages. And we launched it officially August 2019. And when we launched it, I went on a national school tour and visited, uh, drove 9,000 miles, visited 23 states, presented to over 200 schools to more than 40,000 students. And so it's very exciting for me as an author, not just to launch the brand, but we we were we were doing it for a lot of different reasons. We wanted to get a really good feel and gauge of where um, schools are today, uh, a landscape of America, talk to teachers, talk to librarians. And I spoke to, you know, obviously thousands and thousands of students ages probably from 10 to uh, to 14. Since then, it's become one of the most awarded books in children's fiction and is uh, one of the best-selling novels of all time within the same time frame. And so we launched book one in uh, August 2019. We launched book two, Britfield and the Return. Uh, I'm sorry, Britfield and the Rise of the Lion, which takes place in France. We launched that in 2021. And then last year, we launched uh, Britfield and the Return of the Prince, which takes place in Italy. And um, I'm working now on book four, Eastern Europe and Russia. And then book five will be in Asia. Book six will be South America, including Mexico. And uh, book seven will be the United States. And so what's kind of fun is, um, you know, Tom is the main character in book one. He's 12 years old and his best friend, Sarah, who's 12. And they've been at this horrible orphanage called Weatherly Orphanage up in Yorkshire, Northern England. And he's been there for six years and this is the year he escapes. And that's what kind of kicks off the adventure. Now in each book, they grow by one year. So it's nice in book two, they're 13 and book three, they're 14. And we could also talk about those dynamics. So I'm kind of going from middle school to young adult. And uh, our youngest reader is seven. Our oldest reader is 93. 55% of our reading audience are adults. And what's great about these books is number one, they're based on family, friendship, loyalty, courage, hope, and faith. And the, the, the main thread, the main foundation of all these books is family. Um, they take place in current time, which is great. Uh, as people are reading them, as children are reading them, as students are reading them, they're learning about geography, art, architecture, culture, history. And uh, we're hitting the four C's, creativity, critical thinking, collaboration, and communication. And so all of these are kind of packed in these books. We like to call it stealth education. because So as children are reading it, these fast-paced, high-octane books – as someone said, it's a combination between Dan Brown and 
and C.S. Lewis. I thought that was pretty cool. And then when book four, book three came out uh, last year, there was a 14-year-old high school student in Virginia that said, uh, love the series. Book three is my favorite. You're now up there with Lord of the Rings. So we've had some really cool feedback comparisons to Oliver Twist, to Sherlock Holmes. and uh, But I think it's a very unique, very, very unique series. I don't think, uh, I don't know of anything out like it out, out in the industry. And really what we're trying to do is counter the narrative that's out there. A lot, what, a lot of what you've discussed on your show and um, instead of complaining about it, do something about it, right? Take action, um, not fear. And uh, and so we're really just raising the bar in literature and introducing a series that help kids connect to real characters, real situations, think for themselves while learning. And um, by doing that, what it does is it disconnects them from the other stuff that's out there and almost makes that stuff look silly. So there, there, There's so many things here, you know, first of all, the fact you know you working in one industry and then um just doing something successfully being uh creative creating these books i mean that's a great example something to model um you know we had davos mm. meet last week uh and i was attending a conference here in mexico called the greater reset which was focusing more on solutions you know they're Amen. trying to advance tyranny globally and it's like health solutions, tech solutions, educational solutions, uh, homeschooling, uh, alternative yes. schooling. Um, and, you, and and as you were explaining, um, uh, Britfield, it's like, um, you know, what came to mind is that it's it's a very unique plot and, and setting that you have there. I think it's right to do a present day. It's international. Um, I'm getting vibes. You know, I was getting vibes as I was going through your uh, material of Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, because for I, I only for the first time saw Narnia about a month ago. I watched it with mm. my kids for the first time. They, they and, and, and me both wa uh, learned about, you know, watched Narnia for the first time. Uh, Carmen Sandiego, when I was a kid, I don't remember where in the world is Carmen San Diego. I'm sort of getting vibes of of, of that uh, as well. But uh, real quick, we're going to jump to our headlines chat. Now, big, big news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has challenged Russia's assertion that Ukrainian air defenses down to Russian aircraft carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war destined for an exchange. Maersk Line Limited, the American subsidiary of Danish shipping company Moller Maersk, has announced it will halt the transit of its merchant ships through the Suez Canal and Red Sea. Patrick Saunders, the UK's chief of the general staff, has suggested that civilians should be prepared and equipped to potentially engage in conflict against Russia. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We're talking uh, again to Chad Robert Stewart, the, the website Britfield.com. You can check out uh, the books. I think in about a year's time or two, I'll be ready to, to start getting your books for my um, kids. And, you know, j just uh, on the inspiration, because you mentioned Tolkien. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Carmen Sandiego. Or you mentioned C.S. Lewis. Just were, uh, were you, what were you specifically drawing from? Uh, as as inspiration yeah and and you know i say everything that i've said humbly because it's incredible the impact that we've had not just nationally uh but globally i mean we're selling books all over all over the world right now brazil um, new zealand australia germany britain canada uh you japan so it's very very cool and i think we're filling an 85 percent gap out there for just really quality content and family focused content 
but I had so many inspirations. Um, I'm a big Roald Dahl fan. Uh, James and the Giant Peach was one of my favorite first books that I read and opened up sort of my world. And then uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I really think was his masterpiece out of all of it. And he's a very interesting character. If you ever get a chance to read his biography, I recommend it because it will blow your mind. Um, and and uh, and I loved him. I love Charles Dickens, uh, Oliver Twist, David Copperfield, Great Expectations, and then um, loved the James Bond movies growing up. Not necessarily the novels, but the movies. I kind of came in around Roger Moore, Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker. So all of that had a huge impact. And then Star Wars, the first original Star Wars, 1977, that rocked my little world. And I uh, saw it like 13 times at the movie theater. And I don't know what it was about that. I don't like sci-fi necessarily. I like I'm not a sci but that movie uh, was just amazing. And I, so I think like all these different influences are you know are in the book i i often feel that britfield lost crown is is really the uh the relaunch of the star wars series and it sounds kind of funny because it has nothing to do with star wars and yet you know it's it's original it's a fast-paced action adventure it's it's um uh triumph over tyranny it's it's um david and goliath it's a ragtag you know rebellion against a mighty empire and uh, it has comedy in it, it has great characters in it it's fast paced. It's a great adventure. And so these are all sort of the elements that I've taken from some of the successful books and movies and have put in, but it's a great question. So it's a combination of all these influences. Yeah. And I, I do remember, you know, I think one of the first bond movies that I saw was with Roger Moore. I, I, I liked his, um, him as bond, but I think I'd, I'll go with Sean Connery. Um, sure. And, and yeah, you know, I was a big fan of Mission Impossible, the TV show oh, in the right. 80s. Yeah, and one of my yeah. favorite movies that I went to the the only time I went back to the theater to rewatch a movie was the original Mission Impossible directed by Brian De Palma. I think after oh, that, yeah. for me, for me, all the other Mission Impossibles were, were, were no good. But the first one was a real, you know, intellectual sort of um, film. And sure. are your are, are your books are, are they translated or or they're being sold in English around the world? They will be right now. It's uh, in England. It's interesting. We uh, have a wonderful literary agent, Lori uh, guest, a Bloom Guest, and um, she's uh, she's been in the industry for thirty years. She lives in France, and so we've been at like the Frankfurt Book Fair. We're coming up to the London Book Fair again in March. Very excited. We've got about. 15 or 18 countries interested in purchasing uh, the rights, uh, South South uh, Korea, Japan, Italy, Germany, England, Spain, Brazil, uh, Portugal, Czech Republic, Sweden. So it's very cool. And what happens is you sell the international rights to that particular country or that publisher in the country, and then they do the translation. So it never really comes from the original publisher like if random house does a book here in america and sells the rights to france it's the french publisher that will that will translate it and then they own those french rights um so our first actual uh sa sale was to um poland to a uh, really prominent publisher in poland and i was i was very excited because we have a we have a global plan i mean i'm i'll be involved in, in the britfield series for the next 25 years we've got seven movies that we can talk about the first movie is moving into pre-production right now uh, we had a theatrical play based on the um, original book, and we spent 18 months um, transitioning, you know, a 400-page book into a 90-minute two-act play, and we launched that last year. And now that's available to, you know, elementary, middle schools, and even high schools throughout throughout the nation. And um, and so anyway, the, it, so it was translated into Polish, and it's very cool. And I, and they sent me the hardcover books. I can't read a word, but um, but that's kind of how the how it works. And it's great because it's like they're the experts. They take the English, my English writing, and they translate it into the Polish. And we had like record sales last year for book one. 
And I think book two is now coming out and they just purchased book three. And so we're excited. Yeah. So that's kind of how it works. And, um, and Mexico actually is one of them uh, that's interested in it. And that would be fantastic. So. Have you been, cause I, I live here in Guadalajara, the second biggest city in Mexico. And I think we have every year in, in around November, December called um, feel the, the, the book fair. And it's, I think one of the biggest, um, on the planet it is. I, I go it is. i go every year have you been to one of them maybe i'll see you one of these years here maybe this year yeah we were supposed to be there last i think it was november uh last year right and, and it's huge and and we were earmarked to go and we didn't go uh but hopefully this year i'm hoping to be at the london book fair and then uh, it'd be great to be at the frankfurt book fair in october that again is like huge in this sort of uh, children's and young adult uh, arena, but I'm very familiar with the one in Mexico, and uh, and and, I, and and unfortunately we weren't. And I was like, darn, because that'd have been great, you know. I think mm-hmm. we're gonna do. I think we're gonna. Yeah, I think we're gonna be huge in in South America and Mexico. Because again, it's what's great about this series is that it it just translates to to all demographics and all languages. It's just a great, fun, fast paced story in current time, and everybody can relate to it. And it's not just anchored into one country. You know, book one's in England, book two's in France, book three's in. Uh, Italy, book four is in Eastern Europe and Russia. I start in Vienna. I move to to um, Czech Republic, Prague. I go to um, uh, Warsaw in Poland. I go to Berlin. I'm up on the Baltic. I go to uh, Lithuania. So I, uh, we, we we end up down in Hungary. You know, so it's 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 traveling the world and with all this great architecture and history and and uh, geography, and so I think just it's it's like a worldwide book series that that, that kids can relate to, that adults can relate to. So you mentioned some of the values, right? Um, family, um, friendship, loyalty, faith. And I think we are seeing globally now a coordinated assault on, on some of these things. Sure. You know, even places here like Mexico, where you think are more tra- traditionally conservative socially, you're seeing the wokeism and all this stuff come in. You know, I go to the Walmart here. And again, it's it's Mexico. I go to Walmart in Mexico. And you've got the rainbow LGBT flags uh, on the Kleenex. And my kid, I, you know, she's in the cart and she's like, she picks it up. She's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, that's not for you. Or even the Mickey Mouse yes. puzzles, right? Um, sure. They were selling Mickey. I'm looking for toys for my kids. And there's a Mickey Mouse puzzle with the LGBT. Um, literally, it's, it's it's got the flag and it's got the, you know, the, the trans LGBT, whatever. So specifically on the box, they're talking about this ideology. And, and this is for kids. And I'm like... This is not, you know, uh, I'm talking to some of my coworkers, former colleagues who you, who are still teaching where I used to teach here at the top of school and high school and university in Mexico. Um, they're telling me now they're having kids that are, um, you know, a boy who's who thinks he's a girl, a girl who thinks he's a boy. Sure. Um, and I, I didn't have that when I was teaching a, co- a couple of years ago, but now this has become more mainstreamed, even in places like um, Mexico. And so um, what, what would you sort of highlight as some of the negative values that are being pushed down children's uh in, you know into their minds through entertainment um today gosh i mean a, a lot of what you just covered and it's what we've been it's really what the britfield series is all about it's to counter all of this it's kind of the opposite of the harry potter which was really just to bring you know witchcraft and black magic and occultism in the hearts and minds of children and it's a uh, 34 billion dollar franchise and counting Star Wars is a $68 billion franchise and counting. So um, so really countering a lot of those narratives, that's what we're doing. And the thing is, is we could sit here all day and complain about what's out there. And look, evil's evil. 
you know, and this, there, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, this stuff's been happening not, not just for decades, but for centuries. You always have a an evil satanic cabal that are pushing really what what are communism. You know, it's divide and conquer. You know, and and pushing and promoting this stuff. Nobody's interested in it, by the way. Uh, it's not even one percent of the entire population, although they want to make you think it's ten to twenty percent. Not even one percent, and it's and it's really a complete. Um, terrific. It's very unnatural. It's it's, um, it's ungodly. Uh, so what we need to do as a nation and what we need to do as a global nation um, as in a global brotherhood and, and sisterhood, if you will, is push back. You know, number one, don't buy it and, and complain and, and go for alternatives. It's just like the educational system right now, at least in the United States, we're, we're in an educational reformation, uh, just like Martin Luther 500 years ago. And we're seeing the last days of the traditional industrial model of the school public school system and 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 that's obviously horrific in many ways there's great teachers out there and so uh, god bless you you know what i mean for, for the teachers that are fighting the good fight but um you're seeing a massive homeschool revolution uh we've gone from 5 million to almost 20 million homeschoolers in the last four years uh, that's huge and and the best most well-rounded and educated kids i've ever seen are homeschoolers so those are some things that you can do you know if you have a problem with it do something about it you know don't 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 allow them to push you with fear but 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 push you into action counter it don't accept it call them on the table you know we need we need good people we need good teachers we need a men and women to get on these boards and these certain things, um, start their own companies. You know, this is, you know, there's a huge gap out there for, for the independent entrepreneurs. Again, I think we're, we're in a Renaissance right now. We're in a creativity Renaissance. We're in a creativity revolution. All these things are happening. All these good things are happening. So all you see, unfortunately, you know, is, is the negative, 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 because 96% of all media, television, and newspapers is owned by five to six corporations that are pushing an agenda that, frankly, nobody wants, no one's interested in. We're not a divided nation. You know, people don't like this stuff. It doesn't stick. It's not natural, but they'll keep shoving it and pushing it. So start to shove and push back. I, I think you're spot on. And, you know, Harry Potter, for example, I'm not introducing my kids to that stuff. You know, it's as you mentioned, you, you, you outlined it, the occult, black magic, sorcery. I mean, that's not um, wholesome. That's not good. It's not Christian. Yeah. You know, we don't do Netflix. I do have uh, Pure Flix, for example, which has um, good, uh, wholesome content. And I uh, just, just one crazy story. When I was living in Kazakhstan some years ago, and you know our kid was one year one year old i put on youtube for some you know hour long you know youtube video for for kids and you think you know colors all, all the usual stuff and i don't it was a one hour video and i just happened to glance at it and i pay attention mm. to detail and i spotted uh in one frame like a second or two uh i think it was um a, a pentagram and and i i, I took a mm. screenshot and i went to search for it and you, i kid you not it was literally from Alistair Crowley's book, you know, he's known as the most evil man of the 20th century. Sure. And why are they putting Alistair Crowley satanic material in kids, kids, you know, YouTube videos? Like, it's, it's not even a joke. I, I, I froze the frame and I found the original source in Alistair Crowley's uh, material. And so, wow. um, but uh, uh, j just as you say, you know, we, I, you know, it's, it's really motivating that you say it's um, um, golden age now because we are seeing people uh, strike out independently as whether it's musicians or writers or, or, or yes. filmmakers you know I've, I've I've interviewed some of them here on this program uh, producing really good content while the mainstream is just falling um, apart and then it is. how would you how would you sort of estimate you know when it comes to liter literacy 
and the youth being interested in, in, in reading today? You know, we, we've got problems with the social media and the smartphones, but um, how do you see the youth today? Are they hungry for, uh, you know, reading physical uh, books? Oh, they oh they are. That's a great question. And and we're part of a uh, literary a literacy group out here in San Diego, and we know the stats and, and uh, it's tough. But believe it or not, the Britfield series is having a huge impact on literacy. And again, when I was writing this, I wasn't thinking we would have all this massive impact. Uh, we're trying to bring creativity back into the classroom and instill independent thinking with children. But um, uh, you were talking about literacy. What was your question again? I'm sorry, I got, I got. Well, uh, which way do you see the trend going? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So, so no, so, so it's interesting. So everything is kind of counterintuitive too. Right now, um, you know, they thought the ebook uh, industry would be like thirty or forty percent, and and they wanted they were pushing to try to get all books into into the sort of ebook form or digital form because once it's there, they can change it right? Think the Bible. Um, and that's, that's failed. It's, it's, it's flatlined at 7% worldwide, the ebook, and, and it's not going anywhere. Same thing with the audio. It's maybe three to 4%. Kids love reading physical books. And that was one of the first things that I was really surprised. So, you know, it's like, we have all our research and we kind of like write our white papers, you know, on, on literacy, on education, on creativity. So I'm on my book tour and it's like, I'd be asking them, that's one of the questions I have hundreds of students I'm interacting with at these different schools. And it's like, we love that we'd sell, like if I, if I presented to a, a, a classroom or auditorium of let's say 200 students, we sold 80 books. That's 40%, uh, mostly hardcover, but kids love to read the written page, which I thought is fascinating. They're sick of the laptops and the, and the, and the iPads and all that other stuff. So um, believe it or not, the independent bookstore market is increasing by uh, five to 7%. The paper market right now, especially for printing, is off the charts and is increasing by five to 10% every year. In fact, last year, <clears throat> we were having to like order three to four months ahead because they were so overwhelmed and stuff. So there is a, there's a huge re, re, uh, reawakening, if you will, or resurgence in, in, um, in books, in printing, in paper, independent bookstores in the United States are growing at 5% rate every year, totally counterintuitive, right? Um, and for a while they were decreasing. There used to be about 3000 of them and, and there's about 1400 right now, but they're growing at a 5% rate. Uh, and it's interesting too, because we just picked up a distribution deal for the Britfield series in Britain uh, and parts of Europe. So we're really excited. We're finalizing that over the next uh, three to four weeks. And so that means Britfield, Britfield Lost Crown and the series will now be available you know, throughout Britain, but there's uh, almost 1,100 independent bookstores in Britain. I thought that was fascinating. So, um, so yeah, so you are seeing a resurgence in the paper, in the paper market, in the physical books. Kids love it, love getting it, love holding it, love reading it. Yeah, I prefer physical copies. I mean, the books behind me, that's just a, a small portion. Of, I've got them in boxes all over the, the, <laughs> the world. And I, I, did I did read a recent article that said, uh, when they were comparing digital to physical um, books, that the physical was better in many ways, um, that you would retain more of what you read by reading mm. the physical versus the digital, um, and just m many more advantages. They can't, as you say, they can't delete it. You know, Amazon has been caught in the past of all books, 1984. They would delete it from people's. They they deleted it from people's Kindle um, mm. devices. They, they they withdrew it. And so I think physical is is the way to go. I see with my own kids, they they're picking up the books on their own now and sitting on the couch uh, for a while, just going going through uh, books. It's it's time for our break again. The website is Britfield.com. Uh, people can call in uh, as well. We'll be right back. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. 
a rocket-propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling. But we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy. And I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle, that even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're gonna figure it out together. Critically analyzing global affairs, this is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment here with Chad Robert Stewart of Britsfield.com. He's doing amazing work there with the, the children's books that he's producing. Uh, I will soon become a customer uh, of his, and uh, you know, for many reasons, I think for the quality of the material, but also I just love seeing these such success um, stories. And yes. uh, we were discussing previously, just to get your further thought on that, um, homeschooling, alternative schooling. So, yes. uh, you know, we're, we're homeschooling here in, in um, Mexico and we're building together, you know, a, a, a ragtag group of, of, of um, parents creating entire communities. We're doing awesome. uh, annual th th uh, theater plays with the kids. Oh, we just did that. one in December and it was just, it was amazing. We, we did a Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan. Uh, oh, and brilliant. so, um, just and, and you know i've had a carrie mcdonald on the program she's one of the top uh, she's got a podcast about uh, unschooling and so uh, do you just see this trend globally accelerating where people are pulling their kids from public schools oh, yeah. Yeah. homeschooling and yeah. you know montessori or other uh, other alternatives i do i mean it's funny i'm I'm in california you know san diego california and, and just in california we have over a, th a thousand charters charter schools what does that tell you uh, and then a huge homeschool movement. And, and as I said, it's gone from from five to almost 20 million in four years. But it's 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 also um, and it, it's it's really incredible because it's I think when we say homeschooling, it, it, there's always that indication for people or parents uh, that one parent has to stay home and it's a full time job. And it's not it's not like that. It, there's so many models and hybrid models where instead of dropping them off at one of the inst socialistic institutions that you used to do, you drop them off at a homeschool group. You know, um, or there's cross collaboration with a charter school system, or it could be something where a parent stays home just one day a week, and maybe you're teaching art, and then you have other, like you said, you get in some some uh, families together, and then on Tuesdays, you know, someone else teaches mathematics and someone else teaches, you know, what history, and you do it that way. And I we're at a point right now where you cannot afford to trust anything. You got to search, research everything. We know that. And we were talking earlier. It's like I grew up at a great. I grew up in Crota del Mar, uh, which is in Newport Beach, Southern California. And, you know, I had a great elementary school, wonderful teachers, I had a great sixth grade class, creative teacher. 
And uh, you can't do that anymore. You, you, you know, you, you have to be so vigilant and diligent and, and you cannot afford to not educate your children to the best of your ability. If you do nothing else as a parent, make sure they're getting the best possible education. And I'm not saying um, that it has to be private, you know, but just do your homework and figure out a way to make it happen because kids are so impressionable at seven, eight, nine, ten, critical, critical ages, all the way up to really 12 and obviously beyond. But those are critical ages. Uh, where they 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 have such impression and uh, you make such impressions and so like you said that play the theater play and I was just thinking to myself because um, we have the Britfield play and that's what that's why we we transitioned book one into a theatrical play for elementary and, and uh, middle schools to bring quality content and a great story into the schools into the homeschool groups you know instead of a musical you know everything's a musical now 90% of them are musicals and 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 nothing against musicals but at the end of the day you're you're alienating 90% of the kids that really want to go into theater just because your kid wants to go into theater doesn't mean they want to be a professional actor which is nothing wrong with that but, but everything you learn from theater and i come from a theater background and i'm sure you had involvement in it is wonderful you know it's the professionalism it's it's memorizing the lines it's working as a team it's showing up it's the performance it's break you know it's not breaking that fourth wall but being in front of a live audience i mean there are so many dynamics you know kids aren't going to remember the mathematic mathematical tests you know in fifth grade but they'll remember the theater production you know, or they'll remember the music class, playing an instrument, anything within the arts. So let's bring the arts back into the schools. Let's bring the art uh, creativity back into the, into the classrooms. And I think we are in a, a homeschool revolution that uh, is just picking up speed. And I have all kinds of stats and statistics if we have time, but it's just amazing. Um, the most well-educated, well-rounded children I have ever met are homeschoolers. You know, they're um, they're level-headed, they're grounded. Uh, they're not fidgety. They're not nervous. They ask good questions. They're well-read. They're usually one to two grades ahead of the, all the other students, and um, and they're thinkers and they're and they're um, and they're and they're wonderful, you know. So, yeah, and you, and just you know, my recent experience where my my wife and all the our other friends and and homeschool group put together this two to three hour play, which included different types of performances, and and then the Pil Pilgrim's Progress um, performance. I was blown away. Um, I found it better than many of the stuff that we had to do in, in the public schools. And, and that, I awesome. think that just goes to prove that, you know, yeah. we're told by society, uh, homeschooling is inferior. Well, no, it's it's quite um, the opposite. And I, I, you mentioned Newport Beach, I think, California. I think I was there last year. I was in California um, for a um, the Living Waters uh, ministry out in California, Ray Comfort. I got to meet him. I'm a big fan of uh, the work Living Waters is doing, but they had this for a um the living waters uh ministry out in california ray comfort i got to meet him i'm a big fan of uh, the work living waters is doing but they had the screening of their film in newport um beach and uh speaking of films if you could tell us about um the movies that now that will be uh made from your books you said so the first one is in pre-production yeah really excited um uh, was, we're moving into pre-production now. It's been in development for about two years. And because uh, there's a lot of, you know, every movie is really like uh, opening up or starting a company. So there's a lot of work in it. I've got a great production or producer team and I've uh, been working with them for two years. In fact, talk with the producer tomorrow. We uh, pulled the green light uh, last December or two Decembers ago for the first script. We actually have the final third third draft of the movie script, polished script that just happened two weeks ago. So we're now getting ready. We already have a list of our actors, directors, and everything we're looking at. And 
So we're excited. So I think within six weeks, maybe eight weeks, you'll start to see some major press releases coming out. We anticipate that the first, just through research, uh, the first Britfield movie will be one of the most successful films in cinematic history. We think we're, uh, we'll break box office records. I think you're going to see something on the screen that people have never witnessed in cinematic history. I mean, just a heartfelt, fast-paced, fun, exciting movie about two hours and 15 minutes i think it'll finish and people will be sitting in their seats not wanting to get up and not believing that it's over and i think you're going to see lines around the theater that you haven't seen since 1977 star wars and i think you're going to see kids getting up at certain scenes out of their seats and cheering because they can't help it it's going to feed their soul you know it's going to feed their mind and their body uh, instead of all this other sort of nonsense and flashover nonsense that's coming from from Hollywood. So, so we're excited. Yeah, we're geared up. We're hoping to be filming in England in a perfect world uh, this October, November, if not next spring, um, at least some of it, you know, I'll film as much as we can in England because we want that authenticity. And I think it's great for England to host us because I believe that once the movie comes out, tourism is going to skyrocket at least by five or 7%. Um, and it's already happening with the Britfield books. I've talked to many families that have now taken their kids to England or France or Italy based on the series. And I, uh, I surprised a one 13 year old for her birthday. Parents, parents, you know, invited me over to this restaurant and she was like blown away. I'm like her favorite author, which again is a huge um, honor <laughs> considering, you know, the company that I keep. And, um, and she loves the Brickfield series. And she was showing me like her, her book of their travels in France and Italy. And there was locations that are written in the books of the Brickfield series. And she's like, that's where Tom and Sarah were. And that's the castle that they were at. And so I think that's just another element of what we're doing. It makes history fun. It's real. It's places you can actually go. And uh, you can't visit Narnia, you know what I mean? And 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 uh, and Harry Potter's this fictional magical world. I know they created it down at Disneyland, but it's fake. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you could go to England, like you could go to Yorkshire, you can go to Oxford University and walk the streets where Tom and Sarah walked. You know, you could go to Windsor Castle, you can go to London, Hyde Park, St. James, Mayfair, all locations that are in the books and experience it. And so I think that kind of wonderment and fun and excitement of adventure and travel is what another level that we're trying to bring back. Yeah, and I I think you know that's great that you mix locations in the book. And I was just thinking uh, the other day I, I was listening to the, the song Scorpions, uh, Wind of Change, right? The classic. Mm. Um, and he, they talk about Gorky Park. And you know, back in mm. 2017, I, I actually went to Moscow, and I was walking down Gorky Park, thinking of Winds of Change. And uh, you know, I, I actually had oh, the funny. opportunity. I, sh I shook hands with Gorbachev. Um, we 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 got to meet him for wow. two hours, and so. Um, it's just like you, you mix between, you know, whether it's music or, 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 or um, uh, literature books like yours, it's like it's good to make those connections where we've got a minute and a half um, left. Your, your optimism uh, is, is contagious when it comes, you know, listening to you talk about the movies um, th that are going to come out. And so, you know, any any final thought for us here? Yeah, just just great to be on your show. It's funny you talk about Gorky Park because uh, I have a scene in uh, uh, in book four that I'm working on right now that will take place in Gorky Park. So because uh, it goes to St. Petersburg and then Russia, those are kind of the final scenes. I'm sorry, it goes to, goes to St. Petersburg and then Moscow. 
um, actually ends in Siberia, which is kind of really daunting. And it kind of sets it up for book five, which is Asia. But um, but very cool. Yeah, and it's just fun. It's fun for me. I mean, I do deep research when I'm writing these things almost every day. Uh, I'm on I'm on the on the on the web. I'm looking at, at maps. I'm looking at buildings. I'm I'm researching and stuff to bring in that fun and authenticity. And and for those that can't travel, you know, they can through my books and. I think a lot like what C.S. Lewis was doing with the um, uh, Narnia series is I, I'm writing fast-paced, fun, exciting books, not just for for youth, but for adults. And, and to remember what it's like. And we've had, you know, I had an 86-year-old woman from Canada a couple weeks ago that read it. Uh, you know, and said, I love it, you know, and I've, and I've just gotten so many, so many feedbacks from, from adults that love the series too. So we're, we're, we're out of time. Thank you for coming back on TNT. Is the best website Britfield.com? Yeah. Yeah. Visit us on the website. If you want to purchase books there, you'll actually get signed copies with a Britfield bookmark. I will only be doing that for a limited time. So now it's time to get a signed copy. All right. Well, keep up the great work, uh, Chad, Britfield.com. Thank you.